0: By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valibeitmadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program.
1: Thank you, Rabbi Shmuley, and good afternoon to all of you. It's an honor and a privilege to be a part of uh, the Beit Midrash learning experience and to have the opportunity to share with you a conversation that I think is critical to the American Jewish community, especially at this moment. Earlier today, the Wall Street Journal interviewed me on the issue involving uh, Donald Trump's commentary on the past several days with regard to the Democratic Party as not being friendly or anti-Semitic with reference to the interests of the Jewish community. That, of course, prompted and will prompt a conversation that will take place in American Jewish homes and communities across the nation over the months and weeks ahead. But the important question is why have we seen a sudden upsurge in various forms and in various settings of a new form or new type of anti-Jewish sentiment. Which is troubling and certainly uh, something that requires a good deal of conversation. In the course of our discussion this afternoon I am hopeful that we will be able to draw out some of the key factors that are part of this expression and also give you an opportunity to ask the questions that concern you um, as this issue takes hold. Certainly in the history of American Jewish life and of the American society, we have seen that anti-Semitism has been something uh, that has been a part of the culture of uh, this country. But America was exceptional, and exceptionalism is really the defining and distinctive characteristic of the United States as different from any other society in which um, uh, the Jewish people have uh, had occasion to live. Those differences are defined in part by the separation of church and state, by the fact that there is no and has historically been no state-sponsored anti-Semitism, and no other society in which Jews have lived could actually uh, garner and, and understand that principle. And the constitutional and legal guarantees in the American system themselves are significant. Whether one thinks of Article 6 of the Constitution suggesting that there is no religious test, or the First Amendment to the Constitution with its very strong and clear statement of religious liberties. But we've also known hate in America, and we have certainly understood it as an important and realistic factor in the history of this society. The 19th century is filled with examples of groups targeting one another, whether it was the Know Nothings Party and its historic attacks on Catholics and Jews, or whether it was the formation of the Klan after the Civil War, or the framework of religious anti-Semitism, which had historically been based uh, within the Roman uh, Catholic Church. This nation has experienced in its history periods or waves of anti-Semitic behavior and activism and we have also seen periods in which that has been rebuffed and pushed back. The more recent story is profoundly different and significant and the 19 or I should say the 2017 and 2018 data of the Anti-Defamation League, the United States Justice Department, and the Southern um, Poverty Law Center all reflect a growing and significant increase in hate crimes directed against Jews and other minorities. And those examples and incidents occur in the context of harassment, assaults, and vandalism, as identified in this chart by the sharp rise in those numbers. To be quite clear, in the course of the past year alone, as not reflected on this chart, there was an additional acceleration or increase in incidents of antisemitism, accounting for a number of these to occur on college campuses. If in 2017 there were 421 such incidents, the ADL reported this past year that campus antisemitism had jumped to 1,187 separate incidents of assaults or vandalism or harassment that defined or took uh, part of its characterization uh, from uh, these accelerated incidents. In 2014, the Anti-Defamation League did something quite unique in its own history, which was to sort of survey the international Jewish situation in terms of how Jews were perceived across the globe. And those uh, characterizations were summarized in that report which indicated that 25% of the world's population in a sense sense, held uh, particular views that were seen as anti-Semitic or negative towards Jews and Judaism. The perspectives today about anti-Semitism need to remind us that we begin with the principle that there has never been a period in which there hasn't been some form of anti-Jewish action, activity, or conversation. Therefore, it would be a fundamental misreading to assume that this would be a different era or a different change. Even though we see ourselves as modernists and progressives, the reality is that there are always audiences um, that seek out to minimize or marginalize minorities and that has continued as well. Many American Jews and for that matter the world Jewish community believed in some measure the principle that if you give a people its own national state and thereby give them the same sort of identities and qualities of national uh, characteristics that some of the pigeonholing and notions of attacking the community as being somehow different or problematic would dissipate. So the idea that the Zionists put forward, which was the principle to make us like all other peoples, with our own nation-state, would be a reality that would change the context or the concept of anti-Semitism. What we've come to see, of course, is that Israel has become part of the greatest targets uh, for those who oppose and object to the interests of the Jewish community. Historically, the treatment of anti-Semitism was really an interesting subject. In the 1920s and throughout much of the 20th century, the focus of the American Jewish community was, in a sense, to achieve three objectives. The objective number one was really to look at the notion of education, on the belief that if you are educated and knowledgeable You will be less likely to hold views that were endemic or problematic to the society or toward any particular group. And therefore the focus on education was seen as core. The second was exposure. If you expose the anti-Semite, you would allow others to isolate, rebuke, and see that context in that context that these individual voices were problematic to the society, were dangerous to the society, and therefore uh, should be isolated and marginalized as not uh, reflecting the interests of the community. In reality, the third of these experiences was to develop an interesting system of organizing that the American Jewish community realized that it could not speak as a small community to the vast numbers of Americans in all the different sort of sectors of society. So as a result, for example, the ADL, the American Jewish Committee and other Jewish institutions constructed an interesting model. They created relationships with elites, government elites, business and labor elites, church and intergroup relations um, figures, as well as with educational authorities and uh, civic organizations. And the construction of these kinds of targeted relationships was the best way the national agencies believed to convey messages to the Jewish, of the Jewish community, about the Jewish community, to non Jewish audiences, so that the elites in the society would say, anti Semitism is not an acceptable behavior. And therefore, using these constructs of working with national and international institutions, the argument would be that they, the leadership of these voices of, a, of, a, of power and authority in the communal system, would further um, marginalize and minimize the impact of anti-Semitism. That was an extraordinarily successful venture. But with social media, it no longer works because today the idea that people necessarily respect civic authority or labor organizations or business elites uh, has lost some of its credibility and that many institutions today actually operate by the relationships individuals have through social media to their networks of friends and connections. And so um, this model is no longer operative and create some interesting challenges to why we are struggling today with various new forms of anti-Jewish expression which are seen in the uh, cyber-hate messaging that is taking place. Because the traditional way of pushing back and refuting these messages um, is no longer uh, available. We would remind ourselves that the very term anti-Semitism was created in Germany in the 1870s. And it was a term to shift the conversation about Jews from being a religious community to being seen as racial, ethnic, Semitic, as defining sort of the characteristics of the Jew. And this of course fits with what was happening in Europe in the period of the mid to late 19th century with its focus specifically on understanding racial theory and eugenics and the context of the fit, the most fit among us, the Darwinian principles associated with human behavior and construct. And therefore the movement of anti-Semitism as simply a religious norm to becoming understood as something ethnic or racial uh, takes on its contemporary or modern uh, expression. The American Jewish community began to treat anti-Semitism as if it was a disease and, tr- and the, the language and context of how it was managed had to do with all of the same words of inoculation and isolation and treatment in ways uh, that described how you would try to marginalize, minimize, and move apart those who expressed anti-Semitic messages. The last point on this slide, Jewish behavior, is an interesting notion. The argument in the United States in the 1920s and 30s centered around the fact that if only Jews behaved better that the non-Jew and especially the anti-Semite would have very minimal basis to attack or charge Jews with inappropriate or um, non-sophisticated and un-American types of behaviors. What we do know generally about the patterns of anti-Semitism and anti-Semites is that there is always a hard core of people in any society that can be described as not only believing certain principles and ideas about Jews or other minorities and acting on those principles as representing the core groups that are likely to be taking actions that could be hostile and dangerous to a community. This certainly was evident in Pittsburgh in October of 2018. It has been evident in other settings, including in Charleston, South Carolina, against black church members. It was evident in Parkland against students. Uh, So one can find examples of where hardcore hate is seen as being expressed in actions that are antisocial and that are obviously uh, seen as dangerous to a community or to the society as a whole. The second group are folks who may share some of the values, the ideas, and the passions of the folks who are these hardcore anti-Semites. But the ADL argues that here, one looks at simply whether they will ever act on any of their assumptions or beliefs, or are simply drawn to or have some perspectives about certain groups, whether anti-Muslim or anti-immigrant or anti-black or anti-Jewish. Uh, in terms of how they view society and how they target or identify groups. The historic notion was that the more one would be educated and understanding of the history, the culture, and the context of minorities in America, that there would be less hatred, less prejudice directed against those groups. That assumption has also been now brought into question. Because historically, the notion was you have many Americans who have never met a Jew, and other Americans who have never encountered a Muslim, and still others who were not familiar with African American culture or Hispanic uh, societies and its culture. The reality is that the education principle, which was always seen as the most important in the 21st century has now been questioned. Why? Because some of the most extraordinary and effective Speakers and actors on anti-Semitism are quite knowledgeable, educated folks. And in reality, uh, we have seen a shift in the behavior that many times we now believe that a highly educated person can be far more damaging and dangerous in articulating messages and conveying ideas uh, that they promote from the basis of their own intellectual title or, or presence. The newest forms of anti-Semitism that we are now living with as identified especially in the 2016 presidential campaign was cyber hate. Some 80 American Jewish journalists were targeted between August of 2016 through November of 2016. They received over 2.6 million hits on their websites and their Facebook pages, targeting them, uh, challenging them and marginalizing them as Jewish and as Jewish conspirators and as anti-American, pointing to them in particular as sort of symbolic of the Jewish community and as sort of uh, the linkage between the Jewish community and the public sphere, the general public. The 80 journalists, some of whom were actually Jewish and others of whom may have had Jewish sounding names but were not Jewish, was, was almost less the point. But the analysis of these 2.6 million hate messagings was a kind of wake-up call to the rise of the alt-right, the presence of new forms of anti-Semitic expression, and the role of the cyber-hate messaging problem. One does not need Jews, we realize, to fight or see anti-Semitism present in the society. And indeed, we see anti-Semitic behaviors and actions in societies in which Jews are not present. We also see uh, various um, articulations of anti-Semitism being framed by people who were part of societies in which Jews had lived, but who were uh, where the Jewish community was liquidated at the time of the Holocaust and thereby continue to sort of play on old messages without the presence of Jews as still symbolic of of the voice that uh, they are uh, allowed uh, to offer. There are kind of mystical images of Jews as well and this we see in Asia. The notion of Jews being rich, the idea of Jews um, having power, um, are seen by South Koreans and Chinese and Japanese. In their literature they look at the the great literature of the Jewish people, the Talmud, and other writings, and see in them these extraordinary um, ideas of, of how Jews have created for themselves worlds of survival at times when Jews were being persecuted and oppressed. But rather than seeing these images as negative, in many cases, the Chinese, Koreans, and others see this as an extraordinary achievement. So they look at and consider the Jewish experience as one to emulate. So if one has ever taught or studied with Chinese, Koreans, or Japanese, you will often hear their marveling at the Jewish experience based on these imageries that they see as important and powerful, which in the West are interpreted as negative and problematic. Clearly the rise in the last 25 years of anti-Israelism has been particularly important. We could consider 1975 as maybe the first moment in time in which this is more formalized, with the UN resolution uh, associating Zionism as racism. But from there, moving forward, we have seen various extrapolations of this expression of anti-Israel messaging. And what we will see in a few moments is that those messages have actually been identified with giving to the Jews the same characteristics that the Nazis had. In other words, making out of Jews the new Nazis. Indeed, we have had in the course of the study of anti-Semitism always hidden haters. People that are not very public but are problematic because of their intellectual, academic, or social connections. One of them is Dr. William Pierce. He was a dentist. Dr. William Pierce was the author of really the literature associated with uh, the idea of the Zionist-occupied government. That Pierce saw in the Jewish experiment the notion that Jews were trying and were able to gain control over the United States by having such power to influence policy and practice uh, that the role of um, this idea of a Zionist government in the United States Uh, was, um, for him, in his writings, an important expression of anti-Judaism. Pierce never acted out or on any of these assumptions and his views negative about Jewish power, but rather others did, and the Oklahoma City bombing was precisely connected to this idea of destroying federal property because that property was part of the Zionist conspiracy to control America. So what occurs in Oklahoma City and in other settings by these various patriotic groups that act against uh, both the government is in part an action against uh, the Jewish community. The shift, of course, in the historical model that anti-Semitism was seen for much of the 20th century certainly the last half of the 20th century, as being not politically correct to articulate messages about Jews and Judaism in a negative way, that has significantly changed. Part of that has been attributed to the political climate in the United States. Part of it is attributed to the rise of alternative social media, including cyber connections. And part of it is understood uh, to be the framework of where the culture of the United States is now a kind of open culture in which many new groups and many new ideas are allowed to be heard, and therefore it is no longer, quote, polite or inappropriate to express visions and views about Jews that are seen as either problematic, inaccurate, or hostile. Indeed, the rise of Islamic fundamentalism has in and of itself created and booted up its own forms or behaviors of of challenging and changing uh, the the, uh, cultural dynamics uh, in the world. We would remind ourselves that Islamic fundamentalism is not just a battle against uh, Judaism, the state of Israel, and Jews, but must be understood as an attack on the West and on Christianity and on Western culture and on ideas associated with the minimalization, the marginalizing of Muslims and um, Muslim societies by the overarching power and influence of the West. But Jews and Judaism are a piece of that story because they are seen as part of the Western mindset of the Anglo-Jewish or Christian-Jewish relationship and therefore have become part of the targets that we have seen in the... um, philosophy and language and literature of some of the uh, uh, movements within Islam. One of the things that has been particularly striking in the 21st century have been conspiracy theories. Now we have dealt with conspiracy thought throughout the history of anti-Semitism. If you study medieval history or even early modern history, you will see numerous examples and stories of conspiratorial ideas about what Jews have done to others or the impact of Jewish community or Jewish life or Jewish ritual on other societies. But the misrepresentation of historical events and context is certainly uh, very profound in the 21st century. The most significant of which is the um, 9-11 sets of conspiratorial theories that it was Israel behind the 9-11 attacks or that Jews were seen as not present at work on Wall Street at the time of those attacks, as as if somehow there was an orchestrated and planned conspiracy by uh, the Jewish world or Jewish citizens or the state of Israel to have committed uh, 9-11. But the uh, framework of conspiratorial behavior uh, goes much deeper than that and you have a whole series of historical materials being written that are misrepresentations. Jews controlled the slave industry, or other such scenarios about the Jewish behaviors toward uh, Palestinians, uh, all in the context of creating some kind of hidden or a belief system that has a conspiratorial characteristic to it. The second principle here that anti-Semitism today is seen as a form of class warfare is a very important idea, whiteness. The idea that Jews are perceived as white and there are questions to that. The alt-right in its literature writes extensively um, in their their, their paper, The Stormer, and in their websites and in their media reports questioning the fact that Jews are not white. And not only are they not physically white, the argument the all-right continues to make is the question that they are pursuers of influence to take over white society. That they have somehow embedded themselves in the American government. There are too many Jews in American politics and political positions. They are too powerful uh, to be uh, seen as important and dangerous in this construct where white Anglo-Saxon Americans ought to be the dominant political and social force, Jews are perceived as sort of groping into and displacing the true white majority. But this is on the extreme right, but on the extreme left we see a similar assault on whiteness. Where Jews were once seen as partners to groups that were seen as victims in society, The intersectionality movement has created an interesting new dynamic. In intersectionality, the argument is that all perceived groups that are victims and that have suffered victimhoodness share a commonality. But that Jews no longer qualify because now we are perceived as the oppressor class not only in Washington, but also in Jerusalem. And therefore, we do not qualify and therefore should be dismissed from the women's march or the women's movement or in other settings uh, from gay and lesbian groups that have seen the Zionist flag as problematic to the march that shares their state of feeling oppressed or separated from the majority. Hi, this is Shmuley Yanklowitz.
0: I hope you've been enjoying and learning something new from this podcast. If you have a moment, please consider making a contribution at www.valleybetemidrash.org.
1: Thank you so much, and now back to the learning. So whiteness has become a tool used by the two extremes to challenge the state and status of Jews in the American construct. And this will be one of the battlegrounds, this whole question of where Jews fit in America in terms of this new uh, sort of rise of anti-Jewish response. The other, which I've described briefly earlier, is the imposition of new terminology. Jews are the new Nazis. And referencing whether it was Israeli behavior toward Palestinians or American Jewish um, roles as power brokers in Washington, um, in part, contribute to this sort of conspiratorial idea of Jews as Nazis. Certainly in the left, we see the BDS movement and the anti-Israel behavior there, and the reintroduction of these terms, new Nazi, Zionism as racism, um, and uh, the ability to apply these terminologies to Jewish characteristics or Israeli behaviors as ways to accentuate these issues. So that it is conceivable at a university to, to appropriately suggest that BDS is nothing more than simply um, the marginalization of a people who are Nazi-like in their behavior and therefore to isolate them, to minimize their impact, and to question their performance in terms of how they treat other humans. Intersectionality and anti-Semitism has sort of now become a a common frame in which, again, the principles associated with, with these ideas has allowed groups in both the right and the left to play off of these uh, themes and uh, messages. Look, historically Jews had little power and we knew that, we understood that, our history was certainly very much um, the premise of Jews simply trying to survive in societies that were hostile to them and to their interests. Um, But today the reality is that American Jews do play a very high profile role in American political, cultural, social, religious and educational life and are a force that has brought a set of ideas. Those ideas are being challenged because in many ways Jews are seen as internationalists, globalists, are seen as people who want to expand learning, expand relationships and expose people to ideas that uh, challenge their cultural norms and help them rethink how they fit into the larger social and universal societies. This idea of Jewish universalism or globalism is now being challenged by a number of groups who are pushing back on the idea of isolation, of America returning to its home, of authentic Americans, and whatever that may mean to the particular constituencies, are very powerful ideas. So as a result, the battle here is also over ideas. If Jews are seen as deliver deliberate deliberatively projecting ideas that speak of universal human rights and global values, Uh, other groups are pressing back against that. One of the clear expressions of that is the battle over Hollywood, where Jews have played a profound role and where many of the ideas of Hollywood over its history have been reflective of Jewish producers and writers and directors and actors, uh, some of that has now become being challenged by voices that suggest that Hollywood is simply a kind of Jewish enclave to articulate messages that are not American or pro-American based interests. No battleground is more significant and has historically been more significant than Europe. And the issues of anti-Semitism in Europe are profoundly important because the basis there are very different from what we are seeing in the United States. Europe was never effectively able to align its minority communities into its general cultural norms and and social settings. In other words, where the United States worked on the principles of pluralism, integration, and the construct of a society in which people could retain their core traditions but share common values, was never fully accentuated and developed in the European model. As a result, you have huge amounts of attacks on Jews from groups that are seen as outside the framework of the French, Dutch, Belgium, English, uh, Austrian societies because they were never formally or fully integrated, educated, and acculturated into those societies. I mean, I think in Europe we see two forms of anti-Semitism. Certainly the traditional European church-based culturally based, uh, institutional and nationally based systems. But also what we're now seeing are the new immigrant communities of Europe, the Muslims who have settled in Europe and other communities who've come to Europe who are not, as I suggest, effectively integrated and engaged into the society. And the behaviors as a result have led to various forms of, of attacks on Jews, Jewish institutions, as you all uh, well uh, know. I mean, I, I think most of these things uh, these six principles are pretty known to you. I'll quickly just remind us of what they are. The, the BDS movement and it, its attack to isolate, boycott, and sanction Israel for its performance and behavior, which uh, many in, uh, in the American Jewish community believe is simply a smokescreen for a much larger sort of assault on the very existence of the state of Israel and much deeper and more penetrating than, than simply a changing be- policies or particular practices or behaviors. At the United Nations, the introductions of resolutions which have been historic and problematic and which both the United States and Israel have pushed back against. Um, Certainly the framing of hate messages that we have seen and those have grown in more recent times and in various forms which we have already described here, whether on computers or in other uh, frames. And fourth, um, Certainly uh, giving, if you wish, tacit and in some cases more explicit permission to attack, physically attack and assault Jews, which we have sadly and tragically seen in different forms, whether here uh, at what occurred in, in Pittsburgh or what has taken place across Europe and even in Israel itself. And certainly the effect of technology and technology has fundamentally changed the delivery mechanisms of anti-semitism and that we have spoken about earlier in terms of cyber hate but we remind ourselves that the ability to offer um, misrepresentation of messaging and that is the critical problem when messages are delivered that are false and are known to be false uh, creating new mythologies about Jews and new impressions about Israel are highly problematic and finally, uh, this principle of Holocaust denial, of, uh, of the <coughs> conspiratorial theories, and uh, the marginalization of Israel in all these various forms uh, represents the sixth and last of these characteristics. I think we are seeing today uh, four types of anti Semitism. Uh, they are expressed through these four sort of spheres, but the behaviors may be very much the same in each of the categories. Theological is the oldest, is certainly the most um, defined in the context of the history of religion in the world. Um, It has markedly decreased, but is needs to be understood as the basis for the ability of these other groups and other ideas to have emerged. The second form, which we saw in its most vulgar and vigilant form, is the genocidal attack on Jews. Uh, whether one looks at the Shoah or other horrendous um, physical abuses uh, and attacks on uh, Jewish communities, Jewish people, and Jewish institutions. The political anti-Semitism is today, of course, very ripe. In an interview I did yesterday with a uh, a political um, um, website that tries to look at truth and what constitutes truth in the public sphere, they were asking me to identify a series of phrases and uh, and themes that frame or are the basis of this political anti-Semitism that we've referenced here, as a way to understand how you can create fake or inappropriate or inaccurate information and news about a community, a culture, or its people. Ideological anti-Semitism is really what some of the groups have created, especially as we see on the all right and as we've historically seen in the United States, groups that sort of construct for themselves beliefs about Jews, conspiratorial ideas and uh, inventing of ideas about the uh, strength and power and the goals of the Jewish experiment. This chart is impossible for you to see or read, but that's all right. You can always read my materials and see them there. But my point is we have moved in the 20th and now 21st century into a second category of anti-Semitism. Traditional anti-Semitism with all of its characteristics which we <laughs> historically studied and know to a kind of form of global anti-Semitism which has evolved and is very much present, um, which has taken the focus away from individual behaviors of Jews and individual acts of Jews to a kind of construct about the collective Jewish people or the state of Israel in particular, and the notions about um, the emphasis on, on Jews as a global people, which is a different context because Jews were always seen as part of a nation-state system or part of a small territorial area, and now it's sort of seen as a sort of global enterprise. Anyway, a lot of the materials I've mentioned are found on my website or in e Jewish philanthropy and in other places. I would just suggest the following. The subject matter is much more complex than simply um, folks identifying a particular action or theme or idea about Jews and acting on it or talking about it or seeking to marginalize the community. What I see happening in the uh, environment we are living in is that many other issues are being shaded into, brought into the context of anti-Semitism. Whether Israel is one of those pieces, or whether it is the behavior of particular Jews in terms of uh, some of their actions or activities that have nothing to do with the Jewish community or they're being per se identified as Jewish, Um, the reality is that the community is suddenly seeing this barrage of assaults on uh, the individual and collective character of the Jewish people. We're going to be living through two years of extraordinarily rough going as we enter into the 2020 election period because both political parties and all the political candidates will be challenged to answer questions associated with these notions of Jewish power, of Jewish relationship, of Jewish behavior. And the Jewish community itself faces one of its most unique challenges. Never in the history of the United States have we seen our community being in a sense confronted by both the right and the left at the same uh, moment. We've seen attacks on Jews by the left at various times. We've seen attacks certainly from the right also at particular times. But what we are now seeing is actually a uh, fundamentally different environment in which um, the Jewish community now is put into an extraordinarily different and uh, complicated situation. How will it define itself? How will it identify itself politically? And how will it act in terms of pushing back against uh, both uh, of these extremes uh, that now are happening? So um, where we once thought we could park anti-Semitism as an idea that is past, and where we believed that all of the systems we had put in place would be successful in marginalizing and minimizing anti-Jewish behaviors. We are suddenly awakened to a very different moment in the American Jewish experience. Thank you.
2: Not a question, but an uh, observation. Sure. Your first slide indicated that 14% of Americans had anti Semitic mm-hmm. attitudes. But if you look into it, as i hopefully you've done, mm-hmm. if you rely on, for example, the Pew Research people, you find that. 3% of Caucasians do, 36% of blacks do, mm-hmm. 26% of Hispanics yes. do, and almost the entirety of Muslims do. Yeah. Now, if you see what's happening, for example, with the Democratic Party who that is appealing to its base mm-hmm. of blacks, Hispanics, mm-hmm. and Muslims, mm-hmm. and other and members of the left, you can see what's happening, and I think anti-Semitism in the US is being not necessarily encouraged, uh, but is not being treated as forcefully as it can be. When you have situations like uh, most of the uh, Black Caucus, Mm -hmm. for example, are acolytes of Louis Farrakhan. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Farrakhan invited as a guest of Obama at the White House. Mm -hmm. You have Mal Sharpton, who is very anti-Semitic, going to the White House 83 times. You have the Hanukkah party at the White House uh, celebrating Black Lives Matter and Israel oppression for the Palestinians. So you're getting you know, acceptance, if not approval, tacit approval, of anti-Semitism at the highest levels of mm-hmm. government. That's, you know, that's a tough situation to deal mm-hmm. with. The second, uh, second point I'd like to make is you mentioned cyber issues. I don't pretend to be an expert in cyber warfare, but there is warfare going on. And the warfare is between the US, Russia, and China. And one aspect of that warfare is the effort to destabilize yeah. Western civilization. And One of the ways that it's done is, at any given moment, apologies Russia or China, for example. They will, at any given hour, they will send out millions of bots. These messages that go onto the uh, uh, these uh, social media sites—they'll send half to a black constituency, half to a white constituency, mm-hmm. you know, half to a Hispanic constituency, half to another—and these go around the world. They're not just targeted yes, at, yeah. the, uh, you know, at the U.S. So a, a third nip here. Can answer the question?
1: Yeah.
2: a third. Well, a third nip is that it doesn't help how Jews are viewed in the, in the United States when the most prominent people these days seem to be the Rosensteins, the Feinsteins, the Schumers, the Schiffs in, in, in Congress. Mm-hmm. I have no question. That was a, a
1: long I mean, let me. May I just uh, quickly respond? I, I First of all, I welcome your thoughts. And, and, and clearly, there is some uh, uh, deep food for thought here. Uh, no doubt, the issues of black antisemitism and Latino antisemitism are highly uh, problematic. We, we've identified that some years ago in some of the ADL studies, and uh, the focus here is on certainly trying um, to again work with the traditional model of elites and, and others to sort of change cultural <coughs> impressions and, and images and perspectives. But the um, the, the challenges in the Hispanic community, and by the way, the Hispanic community is now America's largest uh, minority community if you, uh, count, uh, as you count the collective characteristics of, of Hispanics in America. And much of that anti-Semitism is first generation because they are coming from church, con- church-based countries and societies in which the church continues in Latin America to be very problematic still on um, Jewish theological and uh, messaging to its constituents. But when we look specifically at second and third generation Hispanics in America, we see some very exciting and very favorable uh, imaging, images that that suggest better relationships and longer-term uh, possibilities. And that's, that's actually uh, very good. What is problematic for us with African Americans is that the most virulent forms of anti-Semitism are coming from the educated black sector, not which would, you know, historically we would have said that would be the sector that would be the most knowledgeable and embracing of uh, understanding um, these uh, connections, but that has not historically been the model we've seen, and so that changes how uh, the strategies of working with the African-American community uh, will be but it is nonetheless problematic uh, and finally uh, in, in terms of, of destabilization of the West I think this is very important and is a principle that some of this is driven clearly not within the American corridor it's stuff that has been um, pushed and is being nurtured uh, as we well know by uh, uh, Russian and Chinese uh, efforts to to create some destabilization in the American democratic marketplace so I appreciate that very much. You. Yes?
3: You, you painted a very complex picture. Yes. And I would like you to focus on one thing, because we're all concerned about yeah. the future for our grandchildren and sure. great-grandchildren. What are the personality characteristics that you were alluding to mm-hmm. that possibly could be addressed to reduce the yeah. visibility of individuals?
1: Great, Great question. The sort of personality traits associated with Uh, sort of overt anti-Semitic behavior. That was the issue raised by the American Jewish community at the end of the Hitler era. And they chartered the Stanford University and and other universities to to really look at this question of the authoritarian personality. And you may even know books or a book by that title because um, Adorno's book on, on the authoritarian personality was precisely to help the National Jewish Agencies better understand how do you get to a Hitler? How does this happen that he emerges as able to mesmerize and lead a society and create the kinds of horror, of of, uh, trauma and uh, death um, that uh, would take place. So uh, that area of research continues uh, because there's always an interest in how groups are led and what are the characteristics that of leaders that lead with the intent uh, to use hate and violence as forms of leadership power or of influence? Um, and the, the, the best that I can say is if, if you take a look at Deborah Lipstadt's new book on anti-Semitism and some of the other new pieces that are now coming out, there is, there is a good deal of focus in trying to understand the mindset of, of a hater, and the ways in which they think and work and what are the psychological factors that drive them into, into, these, into these sort of roles of activism and uh, violence. Um, it's, it's a subject unto itself, I, I would beg to just leave it at, at the fact that this is, has, has been on our mind as a, as a community and in our body of thought and action. For years, um, and even when you sort of see these players emerge, um, th- some of them emerge sort of hidden, meaning th- they are the the geniuses behind the the behaviors, and themselves are and they themselves have never committed an act of violence, but they have inspired others and created the in the vacuum the possibilities for action. Now, some of you may place Steve Bannon in that category. Others may uh, look at, at other, other um, modalities of that practice. I mentioned one to you, Dr. William Pierce. Um, and, and these are, are the most extraordinary pieces because they have uh, really thought through and then written out their notions of, of what it may take, to ch- in their minds, to change culture. And that is really the, the bottom line of, of these movements.
3: Yes, earlier in your presentation, Uh, You hinted rather briefly at the rise of Islamic fundamentalism Mm -hmm. as a significant factor Mm -hmm. in anti Semitism. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a Muslim reformer, a woman from Canada, uh, Irshad Manji, who said that the problem with Islam is that fundamentalism is mainstream. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fundamentalism, of course, means sticking closely to the sacred texts, the Quran and Muhammad, uh, where uh, both of those texts are full of Jew hatred, Mm -hmm. absolutely full. And so, what we have is that Muslims are in a bind. If they are religious, their God and their prophet tell them to hate Jews and make war on them. It's in the Quran uh, and in the sayings of Muhammad. Uh, and on the other hand, if they're raised in the Western society, they may have more modern and more tolerant views. Uh, so, they're in a bind. Well, we see, for example, uh, uh, Ilhan Omar mm-hmm. and uh, Rashid Atlaib, uh, they are religious Muslims, and their anti-Semitism comes out. And the source of their anti-Semitism comes from the Quran. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this goes throughout the American Muslim community in the mosques. Uh, you're probably familiar with the Middle East Media Reporting Institute memory. So. They have exposed <coughs> imams in America, mm-hmm. periodically. Uh, these are only the ones who were uh, yeah. caught, uh, preaching the most violent forms of Jew hatred to their congregations in the mosques and the congregations eat it up. Mm -hmm. They lap it up. They do not protest about this. This is going on all over the United States, including the mosques here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, in the Jewish communities, nobody is talking about Islamic Mm -hmm. anti-Semitism.
1: Well, I actually think we we are. Um, There are some interesting efforts to counter some of that, both on the part of Muslims and also on the part of of Jews and Muslims working together to find different messaging and different audiences but to they push. But
3: cannot me. change the Koran. No, the right. They always run up against the sacred and texts.
1: And that becomes the the uh, the challenge of of educating Muslims in a modern setting about the realities of living in contemporary the world. I mean, much of what we had to do in terms of the Catholic Church was to push the church to rethink the way it presented information on Jesus, his life, his death, and the relationship of Christianity to Judaism. And to the success of uh, Notre Aetate and the ability of uh, the uh, work being done in in the Catholic Jewish sphere, we we are going to be uh, ultimately trying to push something of that character to the Islamic world.
3: In a dialogue between Muslims and Jews, because they never get into the Quran. Yeah, yeah. There,
1: there are, there are small. Right? I agree. There are small pockets of efforts today to reach out to some Muslim clerics who are more moderate. Uh, but this is a long-term process and difficult, and th- certainly for the Jewish community, highly threatening. Yes, absolutely. Yes. What
2: was the prognosis then? Uh, all the study you've done of, the, of anti-Semitism in America.
1: Well, part of it is that you need voices that cross both from the Democratic and Republican side that continue to push back against against it, uh, because part of it is uh, is is in the political sphere, and that has to be uh, uh, the role of non-Jews. My view is anti-Semitism is a problem of the society. It is not a problem that the Jewish community itself can do very much about. It can help encourage and educate others about Jews and Judaism, but the articulation of why behaviors are unacceptable, why words are damaging, and by messaging that is problematic, that has to be done by uh, political elites, and uh, and social forces in the general society. And uh, I don't know that we have right now the kinds of leadership uh, in both both, uh, camps that are able to do that. One of the things that most troubles me is the studies on how Americans view their leaders. And you probably have seen those studies that show huge decline of support for Congress, for the White House for uh, institutions of all types, not just government. The loss of confidence in and belief in leadership. And that is very challenging for a small community. The other thing that's challenging for us is that Americans are not voting. Yes, now we have seen some rise and fall in voting patterns. And why voting is important? Because if people believe in the system, they will want the system to be whole and functional and viable. And if audiences are believing that uh, it doesn't matter uh, who wins, or my vote doesn't count, or they're all corrupt, any of those notions, that is highly problematic for small communities that are very invested and believe in law, believe in government, uh, have been highly committed to and identified with government. I mean, uh, in the 116th Congress, we have eight Jewish senators and we have uh, in excess of 20, 25 uh, house seats. The fact is that Jews not only are activists, but they vote, they are contributors, they are the writers and journalists about much of what is happening. Other groups need to also feel the same level of investment. If that doesn't happen, that is highly problematic to democracy as its value, as as an important statement. So I see that as a second factor. And I I believe that civics, teaching of civics in American classrooms is essential. Understanding what American society is different than a a, a Middle Middle Eastern society or a medieval society uh, and that this society uh, believes in the value of the individual and the dignity of the individual and the plurality or pluralistic character of this nation which was built by many immigrants and immigrant societies. Uh, and that always understood the value of difference and respected that. Although, historically, the United States has not a good track record on race and uh, racial behavior. You articulated very well what maybe we all sense and know, and you put it together very nicely. So, and also, it's come out that we don't have the right leaders, that it's a bad situation, the Jewish population is very divided in their political beliefs yes. right now, which I think was a planned strategy. So maybe that's my own little conspiracy theory. But the, the larger question I have, because I've been to
3: several lectures, is but no one hi- hypothesizes or tells us, is there anything being done? Can there anything be done? Mm-hmm. What is happening that we may or may not know about to improve this terrible situation?
1: The question is, is there anything that can be done or is being done to improve what the questioner describes as this terrible situation? I think there's actually a lot that's happening because I think a lot of people are troubled by the discourse in the country and by uh, the fallout of of the behaviors we see in the country in terms of how people react to one another, how they react to groups, and how they uh, understand what or how they have reinterpreted what democracy ought to mean and can mean. Um, I think it's happening in grassroots. That is, it's it's efforts by the fact that you see huge numbers of people uh, trying to organize around issues that they believe are important, bringing groups together to, to, to organize. And I don't mean just simply the women's movement. Uh, I, I think we see it in, in on efforts from issues on climate to issues on uh, immigration to questions associated with education. Um, And I I think uh, many Americans believe that it's from the bottom up rather than top down that they have to sort of rebuild um, civics and um, civil society and and that seems to me to be a promising notion. Um, There's a huge amount of money a huge amount of money being invested uh, by people in trying to deal with, with uh, building these kinds of uh, modeling of, of social involvement. Because pe- when people are connected, they cross lines, um, religious lines, cultural lines, racial lines and there's a growing sense or a better sense of mutuality of interest. And if you can create mutual levels of interest, you break some of these stereotypes and divisions down. Uh, I don't think there's any conspiracy to to the problem. I think there may have been some conspiratorial things about creating it, as we heard from one of the comments. But I'm not certain that anyone uh, wants to to see this maintained uh, because it is unhealthy to the society. And our kids will lose interest in and belief in the country and their role in society. And uh, in some cases may even question, uh, why be Jewish? Is it safe to be Jewish? Uh, And what does that all portend? Yeah. I want to thank you all for your kindness and participation.